are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. Welcome to Informative Conversations Podcast. My guest today is Blair Park. Blair is an author, writer, and the editor of the book, Empty Hands Made Fool. Hello, Blair. Hello, Jacqueline. It's so nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you too. And thank you for accepting my invitation. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about the book and and talk to you about it. Oh, yes. Well, Blair, give my listeners uh, a little bit about you in one minute or less. Tell them about you. Oh, one minute or less. Okay. Um, (laughs) Just a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, I've been a lifelong reader. Um, Like I put in my bio, you never saw me without a book in my hand from, Mm. you know, age one to to Mm. now. Mm. So pretty much over the course of my life, I kind of went into writing and editing just because I love to read. And um, the more that I was writing and editing, the more it was, I felt like I was getting to be part of people's stories, like telling their stories, um, giving them encouragement that they had something to share about their business or their, you know, health journey or anything like that. I, I just found it so exciting that I got to be part of that and kind of encourage them to see, no, you have something to share that might be something that somebody needs to hear right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that just kind of naturally transitioned into writing, into editing for magazines initially. And then I got into books about a decade ago and, mm-hmm. um, that obviously was a whole different beast outside of magazine <laughs> writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, obviously when you're an editor, people always ask like, oh, so when are you going to write your book? And after mm-hmm. a few years, I was like, no, I'm not, I have no interest to write a book. I see the process it takes for people to write a book. Some people it's 20 years or so that they write a book. And it's like, I just, I don't have that in me, a topic I really want to write about. I just, that's just not in me. Um, but that definitely changed during 2020. Yes. yes. And that's what we're going to talk about. So yeah. Blair, your book is on infertility mm-hmm. and not is not only is it on infertility, um, throughout the book, you share stories in the Bible to let the readers know that this has been going on for years. And you also use scripture to comfort them. That's that's what really got me. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a lot of revelation about what the scripture said. It's like everything. What is it? There's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. <laughs> I've never. I, although I've read these scriptures, it beca- I guess because I wasn't affected by it, I never thought that. You know, these stories in the Bible are women who were dealing with infertility Mm -hmm. and bring this all out. So did did you know this as a student before you started having this journey of infertility or did you learn this as you were on the journey reading your word? Did you get the revelation then? As I was reading, basically in 2020, there were news pieces all over the places that, oh, all these people are going to have babies. It's just going to be a flurry Mm -hmm. of children happening. So at that point, um, my husband and I had been about four years of us trying to start a family and thought, okay, well, you know, maybe this is when that happens. Um, Mm -hmm. But of course, towards the course of the year, nothing had changed. And Mm -hmm. um, I just, I kept, you know, usually when I'm having a problem or something, um, I usually look towards books to kind of read that are something on the topic I'm reading about or I'm concerned about. So I just kept looking for infertility books and I couldn't find anything that related to what I wanted to know most about infertility. And it was, what does God say about infertility? What Mm. what is his purpose through infertility? Mm. Because people obviously would say, you just need to pray about it more. Uh, Maybe Mm. God's got another direction for you. Like Mm. all of these things Mm. that really didn't comfort me. Right. So um, one day I was in my living room and I just felt God saying, into me, well, why don't you write a book? Mm. And I was like, 
that's not me, God. We've already established that. That's not me. And he was like, no. He's like, you need to write the book. And I was like, okay, well, you know, we'll just see. So obviously, in, in part of my researching, I studied is infertility even in the Bible? Because like you said, unless you're in that situation, you don't specifically look for it. Right. And I was shocked to see, yes, there are several stories of mm-hmm. infertility in the Bible. And, you know, when, when you stop and think, it's it's not as big of a deal now, but think back to when Mary was around, when mm-hmm. Abraham and Sarah, like, mm-hmm. if you didn't have children, you were seen as almost like cursed mm-hmm. by God. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. God was mad mm-hmm. at you about something. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it just was mm-hmm. to see those stories and read them with a new perspective of mm-hmm. well, I'm in the same position as them. It was like, wow. Like, right. yeah, the, my, oh, she was, yeah, she was the mm-hmm. one I, I connected with the most because I yeah. felt like how she was reacting to it was how I felt mm-hmm. I was reacting to it. Seeing women around me getting pregnant with no problem. Mm-hmm. And then there's me and I, I have no idea. And I was try, obviously trying to put on a brave face, but it's so yeah, hard. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk more about that. I, I want to go to this part, though. You start the book off and I want to read this Psalm, Psalm 127, verses three through five. And you, you use the New King James Version. You see, mm-hmm. it says, Behold, children are heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. And you put emphasis on the fruit of the womb is a reward. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was reading it and I was thinking, yeah, I know I always say the fruit of the womb is a reward. But it in that saying that, does did that make you feel, because you didn't say this in the book, you put a positive spin on it, but, but I thought about, if the, it says the fruit of the womb is reward and then I can't have any, mm-hmm. does it make me feel like I, I can't have that reward or what's wrong with me or so mm-hmm. speak of that. Oh yeah. That's initially how I viewed it as well too. It was like, okay, mm-hmm. does that mean that I can't be rewarded even though mm-hmm. I did nothing really wrong? Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it, it comes back to the belief of it's a pregnancy is a gift from God. Children mm-hmm. are a gift from God. Right. Because you can see tons of people that are the healthiest they they could be. They have, you know, money for all of the technology they need to have babies. And yet mm-hmm. they still don't have children. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of, I, I guess, try to getting out of the negative perspective of it. I try to see it as a positive of it's a gift that God has given you that you didn't earn or deserve or anything. God was like, I want you to have this. So mm-hmm. that's where I felt like the verse changed for me a bit to where I could see it mm-hmm. as it's a gift. It's not mm-hmm. meant to hurt you. It's to help mm-hmm. you, but it's also in God's time, which mm-hmm. is not our time. So, right. <laughs> and so I want you to just give us just a little bit. If you can give me just a little bit of your, your, you and your husband's journey. Over sure. Just, you know, I, 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 um, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> well, um, my husband and I, we we met, uh, dated, got engaged, and married in four months. Ooh, wow. <laughs> so when when people see that, they're like, "Whoa!" And it was like, mm. and trust us, we were you know not young people. We were both mm. in our thirties, so it wasn't oh, like okay. we were okay. I- mm. immature in any way. Right. Right. Um, but um, you know, because of the quickness of us getting married, we were like, you know, we're going to wait a year kind of get to know each other, kind of get mm-hmm. used to married mm-hmm. life and then, mm-hmm. you know, start children. And mm-hmm. both of us had the assumption we're not going to have any trouble. We're still, you know, healthy and young. Mm-hmm. Um, so about six months into trying the first year, nothing was really happening. And mm-hmm. um, usually they say, if it's been a year of you trying and nothing's happened, that's when you probably should consider talking to somebody, a, a infertility specialist. But mm-hmm. after six months, I was like, I, I really want to check and mm-hmm. see if everything's okay and everything. Mm-hmm. And 
So we went to a couple appointments and saw that there were some things we did need to check out and get through and some stuff that was a little bit more than we expected. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, long story short, we tried a couple of fertility treatments that didn't end up working. Um, And then about 2019, uh, we had we were with our current doctor who I mentioned in the book, Dr. McNichol. And we had another fertility treatment that didn't work. So we were like, okay, we're just going to take a year and then start back up again in 2020. (laughs) And then 2020 happened and that changed our plans. So um, in 2021, we decided to, you know, start talking to our doctor again about fertility options. Um, Mm -hmm. We had, we hadn't done IVF yet. It was just expense wise, not, not in the budget. Mm -hmm. Um, And then literally after I sent my book to the publisher, I got pregnant naturally and Mm -hmm. it was a shock. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We were so surprised. Mm -hmm. Um, But unfortunately we had a miscarriage soon after. And um, even though that it's still hard, I I still deal with it from time Mm -hmm. to time. We, we tried to look at it from a positive light of we did get pregnant naturally. Mm -hmm. So if if God didn't want this to happen, Mm -hmm. he wouldn't have made it happen. Mm. So, um, mm-hmm. so we kind of yeah. try to keep that in the forefront of our mind yeah. and then, you know, speed up to this year, we tried another fertility treatment. It didn't work. So, you know, yeah. we decided some other options. Right. Okay. So I want to go to where you got to a point where you said, um, it's God's plan, um, mm-hmm. not yours. So first of all, how did you get to that point and <laughs> share with them how you use, um, the the biblical story of the uh, uh, the two sons, uh, the prodigal son. So, oh, uh, okay. Yes. Yes. Into, uh, yeah. Into uh, okay. the, for that story, um, it definitely it, it kind of drifted away from being women focused, obviously. But mm-hmm. whenever I read that story, I always think about the older brother and the younger son, and. Um, how obviously the older brother did everything he was supposed to do. He didn't grieve his father like his younger brother did, but yet, you know, he was, he was very bitter about everything that happened, you know, wasn't, wasn't happy when his brother returned and, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, obviously as people read it, he, he lets his dad know he's very upset with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I thought about, you know, that's a lot like the infertility journey where mm-hmm. you see people that, maybe weren't trying to get pregnant and now they are and you're looking at them going you know I I don't want to go to their baby shower I I don't want to congratulate them I don't want to ask how they're doing because I did everything right and I'm not getting what I want so it was just when I when I looked through that I was like wow like talk about a mirror put in your face and going wow I am the older brother it was just it, it was it was shocking. And then I just love, obviously, the father's remark that he was like, you know, I, I'm still going to give you what I, I'm going to give you just because his is different doesn't mean yours isn't isn't any better or anything like that. You're still going to get what I want to give you. And mm. um, yeah, it just it touched me in such a big way that it's very convicting, but in a good way in terms mm. of, right. OK, right. I, I really need to I don't have to be. And I think that's what a lot of women have a difficulty with is like, you know, how can I be happy when I'm so sad in this position? Like, how do I go to baby showers and be happy for my friend or my sister or whoever Mm -hmm. when it's it's a sad time for me? I don't know if I'll get to experience that. And it's, you know, that's a lot of you and God talking it out. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you have to go, look, I, I can't go. I'm. I'm having a hard time with this right now mm. and, but know that I love you and I'm supporting you and everything like that. And you know, the people who truly love you and truly understand the journey you're on, they will respect that and go, I understand it's okay. You know, I still love you. I know you're supporting me. Um, so it's kind of like, it's hard to get to the realization that it's God's plan, but it's mm. kind of like a, daily like they say a daily surrender bit where you have to go I don't know what the situation holds I don't know what's ahead but I'm going to trust God because he's the he's the only one that does know (laughs) Mm -hmm, right okay so uh, another good point you made is um 
you had to learn that you're not being punished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. It, it's you can feel that way when you're going through the infertility. You're thinking, I'm I'm is God mad at me about something? Did I do something like a, a sin I didn't repent from or something I said that was wrong? I mean, it's a it's a laundry list of what women can go mm-hmm. through and thinking you know, what did I do to deserve this? And it it goes back to the biblical stories that I shared in the beginning of the book, where a lot of these women were like, you know, what did I do wrong? Or what did, you know, what's God mad at me about? Because that's, that's like the normal idea is like, well, God can make anything happen. Why isn't he making this happen to me? Is, Mm -hmm. and you just assume like, he's mad at me about something. I didn't do something right. But it's, you know, it's getting back in that mindset of, it's not based on your works or whatever you do or don't do. It's the plan that God has for you. Mm, mm, okay. And so um, you, one of the things you mentioned in that you say as much as 20% of women may be waiting until after they turn 35 to start trying to have children, which is mm-hmm. the age doctors consider to be when a woman's fertility begins to take a nosedive. Mm-hmm. Those reports can vary. You make sure you say that these reports can vary. Yes. Now, yes. Usually, and and it's not. I don't have a whole lot of data. Just 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 me. And 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 let me just start by saying I was one of those women. Mm-hmm. Is it, when I hear people talking about having trouble having a baby or something like that, it's usually the people that are thirty five and over. The mm-hmm. the people that are saying it, and um, I don't know if it's because women are putting it off for careers or whatever. I don't know, um, mm-hmm. but. That that usually uh, fits, like I said, even true for myself. Mm -hmm. And so um, another thing, good things you got was Hannah. I want to talk about Hannah's plight. Mm -hmm. That's so good. This is really good. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So basically, Hannah is probably a lot of us dealing with infertility. She was one of two wives. Um, The second wife just was able to have children. No problem. Um, but she, Hannah had trouble, just could not. And um, like many of us, she couldn't hide the fact that she was sad by this. She didn't eat. She'd cry all the time to where her husband um, would say, you know, what are you upset about? What what can I provide for you? What are you not happy with what I have? And um, it just, it was, uh, it, it was really amazing to think about that that it was like wow like i'm i'm hannah position like that's me where i'm i'm looking at all these people having children and i'm like i don't understand so i mean long story short so she goes to the temple to pray to god and to do what you know maybe doesn't make sense in her mind to do but in the same breath she's like i need to talk to god i need to give to him you know what what is his and i need to give this to his feet and she was crying and and so mm. overcome with emotion that the priest that was there came around and thought that she was drunk. And he mm. said, you know, don't don't do this here. Don't be this way here. You need to leave. And mm. she was going, you know, I'm not drunk. I'm very I'm very sober, but mm. I'm I'm so overcome with emotion for what I'm dealing with that I have to mm. talk to God about this. Mm-hmm. And he was so moved by her that he was like okay, you know, God has heard your petition, you know, go mm. at peace. And she was, and she went in peace. Mm. She ate, she slept, she, she mm. was, you know, rested and she conceived Samuel and mm. she promised to God, if you give me a child, I will give mm. him back to you. And she held to that promise, even though that was probably harder than anything is that mm. this child she waited for now she's giving it back to the Lord. Mm. But and, you know, as it says, she went on to have more children because she mm-hmm. honored that promise. That was easy for her to go, OK, God, you know, thanks for the baby, but not going to follow with the other promise. Mm-hmm. She could have easily said that, but she didn't. She honored mm-hmm. what she agreed to with God and God, her, God blessed her in the process. So right. she gave her, blessed her by giving her more children. Yes. Okay. I, I want to back up on something because you made good points about this story in the book. Um, her husband. Mm-hmm. This treatment caused Hannah to be depressed, frequently cry and not eat, which led Elkanah to question how she could be so upset when she had everything she needed, especially him. 
And you go on to bring out the point that when experiencing infertility, husband and wives can feel the same way. And often we just think about the woman mm-hmm. and not about the man. But men are hurting too. And mm-hmm. we know that um, um, Isaiah, when he prayed for uh, his wife, you know, they're hurting too. Mm-hmm. And, and so talk about, if you can, how Jeremy felt, uh, his journey a little uh, along this way. Sure. Well, Jeremy's actually one of four boys. So, mm-hmm. um, so obviously when you come from a big family, you think, you know, children are just, that's for everybody. Every mm-hmm. If you come from a big family, that means you'll have a big family. Mm-hmm. So I think we kind of came to the assumption thinking because of that, you know, we won't have problem in that regard, but unfortunately um, that just wasn't the case. And Jeremy had, has gone through a lot in his life. So I think he kind of handled it well, like didn't let it affect him as much, Mm -hmm. but in time, little things would come out and he, you could tell he was upset by it, that it was like, you know, are we going to have a family? Is Mm -hmm. it, you know, if we do, are we going to be too old to enjoy our children? Are we, we going to have to chase after them with walkers or something? Because that's, that's when it is. So I I think a lot of, and unfortunately, a lot of people will put it more towards the woman because the woman is obviously the more emotional one that's going to talk about it more, express it more, whereas a husband probably won't, that he, he will go, you know, I'm okay. You know, it's, I'm here for her and everything, but yeah, it's, it's still upsetting to experience that. And a lot of guys probably don't talk about it with one another. Right. So there's not usually an outlet for them at times to go, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm really upset about this. And so, um, Elk and I back to, uh, Hannah's, uh, yeah, Hannah's husband, he did have two wives and the first wife taunted her. Do mm-hmm. you ever feel like people who, who know what's going on with you and your journey? Have you ever had anyone in your life to try to, to use that, to hurt you? To, to intentionally, not, 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 I'm talking about intentional hurt. Intentional hurt. Um, I think it's not intentional, but I think a lot of it is um, just being ignorant of it. Just mm-hmm. saying things that may not be the right thing to say, which is why I included the second half of the book for that, right. which is mm-hmm. people just sometimes saying what what did I read like some people like to do like a checklist type thing like okay well I said something nice to the lady the stealing or the infertility check I'm a good Christian Um, that they're not really thinking you know maybe what you're saying is actually hurting them more than helping them so I think it's more of I, I don't think you know I think some people may have may have thought like, well, at least I'm not in Blair's situation or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, not realizing that that, that still hurts. Um, or just some people don't kind of like with grief, they don't want to say anything to hurt you or to think of in that position. Like, wow, if I were in that position, what would I do? Some people just don't say anything because they don't want to do anything wrong or think about it at all. So mm-hmm. I think it's, I, I don't think anybody really did anything to purposely hurt me, but it was just more of ignorance on the situation and trying to like smooth it over without fully realizing what we were experiencing. Right. Um, so speak about the importance of sharing your feelings with others. Now, this was, um, this was, uh, what's the word I want to say? Let me start over. This was this was surprising to me that mm-hmm. you and the other women, all of you said that you wish you would have shared with women what you were going through earlier. Now, t- talk about that and say why. Um, well, I, basically with the, the women that I interviewed, they were all different ages, races, different mm-hmm. ways infertility had it, had infected their life. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think it's, because it's something you don't understand, you don't really want to talk about it or, you know, it's something that's upsetting or you feel like that that's all you, you can talk about. Like, Oh, well, there's, you know, Blair again, wanting to talk about that. She can't have a kid again. Um, So it's kind of like, we, we try to kind of hide it because it may seem easier to, to us, 
to mm-hmm. not talk about it when it's like, no, you need to let these people know, hey, this is what we're going through. Could you please pray for us? Or, hey, mm-hmm. I'm having a really hard time with this. Can you go and spend some time with me and let me talk to you about it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it's kind of like it's it's important to put yourself out there to let people know what's going on, because the, the beauty of it is if you share that with people, several of them will go. Oh yeah, my my sister's going through infertility. I know exactly what you're talking about. Or oh yeah, I went through infertility. Or my mom went through infertility. Like you'll find people that'll go, no, I know what you're talking about. And instead of feeling alone, like you now have found people you can talk to that can say, hey, you know, this scripture helped me when I was having a rough time in this. Or you know, I just I just gave it to God, and and then in time I had peace about it, and then this happened. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like it's you you kind of isolate yourself because it may seem easier, but you're missing out on all the support of people who could help you and you could help them. Right. And, and, and Blair, you you talk about how um, some women it is to the point that it kept them in the bed, just depressed, just crying, just mm-hmm. hurting um, the pain of it, uh, the mm-hmm. shame and also the shame of it, of just not um, getting pregnant. Okay, so Blair, you attended an event um, mm-hmm. for a baby shower, and you you were n- none of you all were familiar with each other. So mm-hmm. the host had each of you go around and tell a little bit about yourself, and specifically tell how many children you had and your husband mm-hmm. and so forth. The last mm-hmm. one. Okay, talk about that. I thought that was great. So um, the the person hosting the event was actually my friend. So mm-hmm. I've. <laughs> Naively thought that she would, because she knew our journey. So I was like, okay, so she'll understand all that kind of stuff. And obviously I was going in there not thinking that that would all be addressed to everybody. Like, hey, how many children you have? So she just wanted to go around the table and say, okay, everybody mention who your name is. Since we don't know, I'll know each other. You know, how long you've been married? How many kids you have? And I kind of like did like one of the side eyes at her. Like, are you serious? Mm. Thinking you're you're going to. And of course, that, like you said, I was the last one at the table and every single person in the group had kids, was married. So it gets to me and I'm like, OK, well, um, I've been married for some odd years. My husband's Jeremy. And I said, and we don't have children. We're going through infertility right now. Like I was on the spot. <laughs> there was not much more I could say, but God used it for good because every lady's eyes was like on me at that mm. point, not. Like they were just like, oh, wow, like, you, you know, you don't have any children or and like I was explaining more of my journey and they just were like riveted to what I was talking about. And mm-hmm. even one of the ladies said, oh, wow, you know, I think my cousin has infertility issues because mm-hmm. she's going through. Um, I have PCO, which means I have one ovary that. um doesn't want to doesn't want to play well with hormones and everything doesn't want to play nicely um but that's a that's a big condition that a lot of women dealing with infertility have and it can give you everything from mood swings to you lose your hair to you grow hair where you're not supposed to to a lot of things and she said no I think my cousin has this condition she said we just all thought she was moody and you know there there again it's like it just that was kind of like, well, maybe you should support her instead of just assuming that she's just being an emotional female or something. Mm-hmm. So so it was kind of like it was an awkward situation that God used for good. And I just yes. I wanted to put that in the book because it's like, you know, it, you might be in a situation where that pops up and you go, uh, I don't know what to do with this. And God will go, just let it go and I, I'll I'll take care of it. I'll do it to where it'll be good. Yeah, and, and and you're educating, you're mm-hmm. you educate the people. Okay, mm-hmm. so another one I want to talk about is being content. My aunt actually gave me the the verse from um that Paul gave, like I learned to be content and um, you know, full and starving. Mm-hmm. Um con- like I've learned to be content where God has me. She actually gave me that verse when I was struggling with being single. And, you know, that verse applies also to mm-hmm handling children as well as because you know you have learned what it's like to be this and what it's like to be that what it's like to be this what it's like to be that so um and it's a definitely identity for for women you know 
a lot of it is associated to being a mom. Like if you don't want to be a mom, it's still looked upon as, well, why not? Why don't you want to be a mom? Like that, isn't that something inside of you that you have to have happen? And uh, for several women, it's yes, but it's, you know, just because you may not be able to have children or you don't have children at the time you want to, that doesn't make you less of a woman. It just, you know, it's just part of your journey. And um, I especially dealt with identity issues about wanting to be a mom and then struggling to, to reach, to, to, to try and be a mom that it was like, you know, is, do I have anything to talk about with other women? Because I don't have children's stories to share. And it was like, that was talk about the biggest lie from Satan that you can think of for a woman. It was like, you you can be a mom to an animals. You can be a mom to your family members or your friends or the community. You that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be only a mom to your own kids. So um, that was really where God opened my eyes a lot to that and and showed me where the path I was going. That is like you know you don't need to go down this path and think this is this is only it. He's like look at all that your life has been like you've done in your life through following me. Don't think that it's got to be all overshadowed by the fact that you don't have a child. So, yeah, it was right. It, it's it, hard it, to be content. <laughs> yeah, and then you you use this the Shudamite woman on on about that also. Um, yes, tell a little bit about her story. That was another one that just came through my research. I I was like, I don't even remember reading this before, <laughs> but um. <laughs> I, I love the story because she's she represents to me the epitome of being somebody going through infertility where it's like mm-hmm. she she and her husband struggled with it, but they mm-hmm. still they didn't let it stop them living their life. They were active mm-hmm. in their community. You know, when mm-hmm. the when this prophet came into town, mm-hmm. they were like, no, you can stay with us. And mm-hmm. they accommodated him and everything like that. You know, their sadness didn't stop them from doing good. Right for everything. And I just love at the end where the prophet says, you know, what, what do you want? And she goes, I'm, you know, I'm fine. I'm, I'm okay. And that was like the vision of a contentment where she wasn't like, Oh my gosh, I need this right now. Or something like that. Like she just was like, I'm okay. And then he said, this time next year, you'll have a child. And I'm, I love her response, which is like, don't tell me that because she, she was like, don't don't tell me what probably all of the false prophets and people in the community had told her is like, oh, it's going to happen then. And she's like, I, I don't need to hear it. If it's not going to happen, I'm, I want to continue on with my life. So right. it's just such such a good story. Right. And it was actually her servant that told the prophet that she uh-huh. that one of the things she loved for. So she never tried to use her service or anything she did to try no. to tell someone that. But you made this so clear. I was like, oh, that's so good. And it's uh-huh. second Kings chapter four, verse 16. And you said her, her replies was spoke volumes. She said, and she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. So that right there, it's like all of her feelings just came out then. Everything she mm-hmm. had been holding in, it came out and say, no, I didn't even ask you for this. And now mm-hmm. you're telling me this. Don't tell me this. I know the journey. You know, I know how tough it's been. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, goodness. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so good. <laughs> it, is, it is. I wanted to talk about what you and Jeremy did. You know, you all decided to, instead of wasting time or, or spending your days and night thinking about having a child, you all started doing other activities together. Talk about those activities. We did. We did. It's kind of like when you look back on a journey, you see how God orchestrates things. And, you know, we, we got to travel to places um, together and enjoy traveling together. We um, we have a heart for single people. We have a lot of single, older single friends. So we try to do parties or things like that to where everybody feels welcome there. Um, you know, we we volunteered at different places, um, obviously helped out families and any kind of obligations there. And so we kind of like we we kept living, even if we were struggling with what we were struggling with. It was like, you know, it could be that we don't have children. And so we don't want to waste the time that we do have together just sitting here going, okay, well, our life is over because, because of this. So, um, so yeah, we, you know, we, we've made the most of, of the time we had. And especially since we didn't, 
date a lot before we got married, it kind of gave us more time to get to know one another. And mm-hmm. um, really, I would say really know each other more to where it's like, yes, like confirmation even more of, yes, God has placed us together for a reason. So um, that's good. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Now, now, ooh, we're going to go into things that you shouldn't say. I'm glad you put this in the book. Things Me too. Now, the reason why I'm kind of hesitant is because you struck me, struck my heart. Because the whole time I was reading the book, I kept saying, why don't they just adopt? Mm -hmm. And I think people who don't have children that I know, and I'm thinking, why don't you just adopt? That's Mm -hmm. always my thought. And when I read how you broke that down and explained, I was like, oh, my goodness. But I was so grateful that you educated us, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you go ahead and talk about that. (laughs) Well, um, that was really the idea from the book from the start is I really wanted to share with people, not really a do's and don'ts type thing of what you should and shouldn't say, but like you said, educating people on why this may not be the best thing to say, why this Mm -hmm. may not be the best decision or, or something, you know, suggestion. And, um, Adoption obviously is something that a lot of people say, and it's it's remembering that it's coming from a loving heart that people say it. They're not, you know, saying, well, just get a dog and get over it or, you know, anything mm-hmm. of that nature, mm-hmm. because people who haven't gone through adoption don't really know the extent of it, that it, it can be just as hard as going through fertility treatments, sometimes mm-hmm. even more expense wise. And mm-hmm. I I didn't know that well I'm I'm in the same boat as a lot of people I I thought to myself well why didn't I just adopt or something like that mm. but mm. the problem with you know adoption is not a problem with adoption it's more of understanding with adoption is that it's not very easy to adopt if you want to adopt a baby um there's a lot to it expense wise there's a lot to it um you know, you have to put your whole personal life out there for the social workers and everybody to know. They're going to want to know how, what are you, how are you going to discipline your child? You know, do you have anything questionable that they can't be around? Mm-hmm. You know, how are you going to protect your house against a child mm-hmm. to make sure that they are not a danger? And, um, you know, and it's, it's the biggest thing to me was the idea of if you if you adopt a baby, you could go through all the process, go to get the baby from the hospital and the birth mom go, I changed my mind. I'm keeping the baby. Mm. And so there you go, you know, with a nursery at home waiting for that baby, people waiting mm. for that baby. And you have to go back. And I, I mentioned in the book about the singer Laura story. Mm-hmm. She and her husband went through that. They went all the way there to go adopt a little girl and the, the mom changed her mind and she said it it devastated me and she said mm-hmm. I went back to the nursery that we had all set up and I sat there and cried because mm-hmm. she was like I don't I don't know what God's do why would God do that so mm-hmm. it's about like it, in a miscarriage mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's like yeah you know I don't see his plan in this you know he's mm-hmm. supposed to be a loving God this doesn't feel loving mm-hmm. to me um mm-hmm. But like in terms of the do's and don'ts, it's the biggest thing that I wanted people to know from that section of the book is to kind of be what slow to anger, slow to speak type thing from the Bible. Yeah. Where it's like take a moment to think about what you're going to say and mm-hmm. and kind of put yourself in that person's shoes that it like, OK, if I said that if somebody said that to me, would I feel appreciative of it? Would I feel loved by what you said or would I feel like? You're just pushing my situation to the side. Like, oh, well, I solved it. Here's a solution. There you go. And it's yeah. like, you know, but that's not how that, that's not how this works. <laughs> but Blair, honestly, I, I would think when I'm saying it, that I am trying to help you. Uh, until I read mm-hmm. this, like I said, it, you educated me in this book. Mm-hmm. Until I read this, I thought I was comforting them with those words. I thought I was helping them. So, you know, be quick to hear slow to speak and slow to anger, I, uh, slow to rev. I would, I would have been thinking that that is how I'm confident them, giving them another solution. So, and, and it and it is, but but also think that how many people have suggested that to them, <laughs> and yeah, there's probably but, like one more person is like, oh, okay. <laughs> but but because you don't know what it feels like, 
or you mm-hmm. don't even know. That's why the book is so important. You don't even know the journey. Mm-hmm. And we don't have this. Like you said, you searched to try to find this and you couldn't. So we don't mm-hmm. have a lot of this out here to, mm-hmm. to educate. Thank God for podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the informative conversations podcast because we are yes. informative. That's yes. right. <laughs> Uh, and so I, I want to just mention something about some of the ladies, because you you spoke uh, with some ladies, but I, I take the lady, Cindy. And, mm-hmm. um, oh, my goodness, how, how the church just thought, well, she, she, they don't have any children, so they can do this or they can do that or they can assign things to them. Um, to that they can just be doing, in other words, you don't have any children, so you have time to be doing everything for the church, you know. Pretty much. Right. People shouldn't shouldn't do that and take that for granted. Another one was Nancy and her husband, Nick. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Since they are an older couple, the advice they often receive is geared more toward questions of why they would try to have children at their age instead of encouragement to see what God does in their lives. I mean, who makes those kind of decisions for people? But, But we do, as humans, we do think like that in Mm -hmm. somebody's else's business mm-hmm. um so share more share more about that <laughs> well i i think a lot of that can be from christian folk as well where it's mm. um you know that we're feeling that well i have to share the truth or be honest with my fellow brothers and sisters in christ because that's what god calls us to do so mm. I think it it comes like you said it comes from a loving heart that's like I'm just mm-hmm. trying to let you know you know like in the case of Nancy and Nick that you know it it might be better for you just to kind of reject the parenting dream and just move on with your life you're just too old yeah. for it now mm-hmm. where it's more of you know you're not you you could say this is my opinion in terms of this is why I feel like you shouldn't be parents, but I trust God has a plan for you. So I'm, that's what I'm going to pray for is the plan that God has for you. Um, mm. That is just, and, and the, the case with Cindy was, I, that's a common thing in churches. Um, Cause I, I bring up about when I was single and they would always be like, Oh, you can do this ministry and this ministry because you don't have a husband at home and you don't have kids at home. And mm. it's like, Okay, well, that doesn't mean I don't want to serve, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean I have ample time to do mm-hmm. everything. It's like I, you know, I, I do have a life as well. I, I do ha- want to have time with God, like I, you know, so I can grow in this time. And I just, you know, churches are so hungry for volunteers and people to help that mm-hmm. they just kind of throw people in there without really saying, is this something that you would like to do that God has called you to do? Mm-hmm. Right, so. right. Mm-hmm. Um, and now talk about the importance of staying in contact with those who are going through infertility. That's very important. And I, I related a lot to grief as well, because um, obviously, like when you go through a funeral, everybody's there to help you, you know, tons of food. What can I help you with? Everything mm-hmm. like that. And that could be the same if you have a miscarriage or you share with people like we're going through infertility. Everybody's mm-hmm. there to help you, to to check up on you. What's going on? How can we pray everything? And then in time, you know, people move on and get get focused mm-hmm. on their lives and they and they forget about it. And they not that mm-hmm. they forget about you, but they I think because you're not calling them and sobbing on the phone or you know, mm-hmm. but you kind of isolated yourself from them that they think, okay, well, she must be okay now. They must be okay now. I don't need to worry about them and stuff. When it's like, no, they that's when you really need to reach out to them again and say, hey, like mm-hmm. Mother's Day's coming up. Like, mm-hmm. how, how are you doing? Is that hard? Or, mm-hmm. or can I take you out? Or, hey, let's have, let's do a pool party at our house on Mother's mm-hmm. Day. And, yeah. um, that's that's what I loved about the one lady that said like her group of friends will take will go out on Mother's Day, just them. And mm-hmm. they'll do a brunch together or they'll do something. Right. And then they not they don't all have kids, but they just celebrate that. And it gets mm-hmm. their mind off of things. And it's like it's just something simple like that that right. you could do to make the person feel better. 
Right. And and like her, what I really love about uh, Cindy's is her husband, because we know that church, uh, Mother's Day is huge in church. It's yes. very much celebrated, which it should be. And, and we're yes. grateful. For that. But her husband encouraged her to go to her mother's instead mm-hmm. of going to church and just spend the day with her and be surrounded, you know, by the not have to deal with all the celebration of motherhood. And mm-hmm. I thought that was good. And it's OK to miss that day, especially if mm-hmm. it's it, something that could really hurt you. It's okay, you know? Yes, it is. Yeah. Some people don't come when it's like baby dedication day or, mm-hmm. you know, graduation day or mm-hmm. anything like that. Cause yeah, it's, it's just, it's hard. It's a reminder and it, it always will be a reminder. And the biggest mm-hmm. thing is too, is um, I was part of a infertility support group a couple years ago and one lady had finally had this baby she prayed for and that went through such a journey for. And she said, just because I had the baby doesn't mean I'm entirely healed from the journey we went through oh. to get here. Oh, and that's she good. was like, but she was like, you know, I'm still going to have to talk about it. I'm still going to have to cry about it. I'm still going to have to ask mm-hmm. God why. Like, and she had oh. a story to tell too, that it was like, oh, wow. yeah, it's not an instant. I have the baby. I feel much better now. It's like, no. Oh, it's, wow. Wow. And see, I'm thinking that it would. It's like, okay, now I've got the answer. It's different for every woman, though. It's different for every woman. And that's the biggest thing in the book, too, is to let everybody Mm -hmm. know everybody's journey is different. So you shouldn't Mm -hmm. you shouldn't get in the comparison trap, which we ladies like to get into where it's like, Mm -hmm. well, I'm comparing my life to her journey. And it's like you can't Mm -hmm. because that's the journey God had for her. This is the journey God has for you. Mm-hmm. And, and you know something every Mother's Day because I have friends that can't have children for one reason or another that they just they won't ever have children and mm-hmm. and their heart my heart goes out to them every Mother's Day and and I have children I have some friends that just really really want to have children and Mother's Day is so hard for them mm-hmm. and, and I always think what can I do and sometimes I think I'm going to have a dinner and I'm going to invite everyone who can't have a child or who doesn't have a child to come over on dinner for Mother's Day or something. But what is something you would suggest to do? Because my heart goes out for them. It's it's like it's nothing I can do to help my friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the biggest thing could be just distraction, just to say, hey, let's go see a movie today or mm-hmm. let's go walk around you know, in the park or something and just yeah. talk about, you know, whatever, bring it up. If, if they want to talk about it, then you talk about it with them. If they don't want to bring it up at all, you know, there's tons of other things to talk about. So um, I think the biggest thing is just like distraction, because even though it's still in their head, it's the idea of but I'm spending time with somebody who's making me laugh, who's making me cry happy mm-hmm. tears, like so, uh, somebody who's who's happy with who I am, even though I don't have a child. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say like, you know, just just try to enjoy time with them, let them know they're still special and they're still you still mm-hmm. love them. Right. OK. And one of the ways you in this chapter, you use scripture verses. So I want to recite those. Okay. Um, Romans twelve fifteen. You said the Apostle Paul encourages believers to rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. In Psalms 34, 18, which is your favorite. My, it's one of my favorites, too. The Lord is near <laughs> those who have a broken heart and saves mm-hmm. such as have a contrite spirit. How many times have I said that? Yes. Yes. Um, so you can share yes. the word with them. Mm-hmm. And talk um, being considerate when sharing stories, pictures, or advice to someone going through infertility. We already talked about advice, but when they share stories and pictures, mm-hmm. could you want to be the word you use wasn't jealous and I said she never used the word jealous but it was another word that you used um and it wasn't jealousy wasn't envy it was a positive word but it hurt mm-hmm. um but it know that it hurt but you you talk about how it, you can be affected uh, or or you're telling people to be considered when they're sharing those stories and and pictures especially well, I'm, I think we all have a tendency, whether it's babies or uh, spouses or jobs or church or houses, we we tend to, when we're around people we love, we'll complain about stuff. Oh my gosh, 
my boss is awful. This is what they're doing now. You know, oh, my husband doesn't pick up the laundry like I want. I'm so mad at him. Um, and so we could do that with kids. Like, oh my gosh, like little Johnny was throwing a tantrum at the grocery store and I was so embarrassed and blah, 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 blah. Oh my, or look, look at, look at them. Like, you know, aren't they so cute and everything like that when it's like, okay, that's, that's great. Like I don't have any show on my phone or, um, you know, like you're saying, I got a problem with my child with this. Well, I don't, I don't have a child. I don't know how to help you. And mm-hmm. some people say that, and they don't want you to give them solution. They just want to vent, but mm-hmm. it's hard when you're thinking, I don't have a child. I can't really relate, mm-hmm. but you know, it's not that I don't appreciate it, but it's like, I don't need to see all that. I don't know what to tell you. It's just, it's just kind of like we said, pausing before you send something and going, hmm, should I send this? Or I've already sent them five pictures in the last two days. Maybe I should wait on this one because it might be that one picture that they're like, look, please don't send me any more pictures of your kids. I don't want to see them. <laughs> Same thing. So, so it's just it's just a kind of a pausing and, and waiting thinking about it before you send it. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember my son, um, he was two and we were at the airport and um, he he was just full of energy and he was mm-hmm. going around. He just kept going around in a circle in front of me. But sometimes he could come across and, and hit my foot and I kept trying to grab him and sit him down and he would sit down. And then I'm, I'm reading or trying to do something and he would be up again in the circle. And I keep mm-hmm. saying, come got to sit down and I sit, sit him down. But there was this really older lady and she knew she could see that I was getting frustrated with. And she bought, she walked over to me, a total stranger. And she touched me on my shoulder and she said, mom, leave that baby alone. There are so many women out here who wish their children had the energy to be able to run around like that. Mm. I said, ma'am. And you know, that that was very powerful to me, mm-hmm. you know, how, uh, back to how we because I'm sure when some people hear those stories, they're thinking, I just want to I just want to be able to experience it. You know, if mm-hmm. if, if I had a child, I don't know if I would complain like that, you know, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I had one man to tell me after he lost his wife that he loved so dearly. He said some things, small things that I would complain about they're not important. I wouldn't even complain about them, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and anyway. kind of like the say, like that, that lady said to you, there's some people that, you know, their, their child's in a wheelchair or mm-hmm. is not able like bedridden. And they, mm-hmm. they would love to see their child. They'd be like, yes, run around me. That's mm-hmm. fine. Just keep mm-hmm. doing it. But yes. I mean, it, it's all about perspective. It's like when somebody kind of brings that to your eyes, you go, wow, okay, like, I really should be thankful mm-hmm. for this. And um, yeah, right. that's that's what a lot mm-hmm. of it is. It's like when a lady dealing with infertility mm-hmm. says, hey, you know, you should just be happy that your kids are healthy. You can go, wow, yeah, I need to get out of my complaining mm-hmm. spirit and go, right. I'm really thankful for these messy kids. Yes. So, <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly. Um, speak about the second child infertility. Yeah, that's a big thing too, because um, mm. I, and I've, like I said in the book, I'm, I pretty much was guilty of thinking the same thing too, is when a, mm. when a lady has trouble conceiving a second child or sometimes a third child, there's third child infertility, um, women typically that are going through primary for infertility will go, well, you already have one child, you know, you should be happy mm. for that. When you're mm. not thinking you know, they're now experiencing what you're experiencing and they are even more confused by it because it's like, I I didn't have a problem with my first child. Why am I having a problem with my second child? And um, it can be even more isolating for couples going through that because you, you still have the confusion of, of people that don't really know how to interact with inf- infertility. And then you have people going through infertility that, that almost feel like, well, you don't have anything to relate to us because you have a kid and you didn't have a problem. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you shouldn't see, you shouldn't isolate people that way, whether it's their first mm-hmm. child, they're having trouble conceiving or their fifth child, they're having trouble conceiving. Mm-hmm. It's, 
it's still a, a difficult thing. And it's something that's growing too, that it's more, more women are experiencing that. So, um, so it's just kind of realizing like, you can't just say, well, you, you can only be at this standard because you, you've had a kid and you know, you're not part of the group type thing. It's like, no, it's still affecting them the same way it's affecting you. As you pray for those going through infertility, see their journey as God teaching us all the preciousness of life. Talk about that. Um, it because it kind of like when you with any time with prayer, it really slows you down to kind of get like your 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 pure thing of what you're doing is you're praying, and so all the distractions mm-hmm. are out of the way. You're just sitting there. You're just talking to God. You're just laying out what's on your heart. And mm. when you, when somebody prays for somebody to have a child, you really get the idea of, wow, it, it truly is a gift. Like pregnancy mm. is a gift. A child is a mm. gift because when you honestly, on a scientific perspective, when you really mm. see all it goes into having a baby, it's, it's mm. not a wishing mm. a genie in a bottle or anything like that. It's mm. not how that right. works. Mm-hmm. Um, so like when you, when you really pray for somebody going through infertility, you really realize like, wow, like life is so precious. You know, it's, it's like, you know, we're like a vapor and then we're gone. And um, it's just the realization that as you're, as you're praying, you're realizing, you know, wow, God is the creator of everything. He can make the impossible happen. Um, You know, I really want this for this couple to have a child um, mm. if it's your will and literally laying it at his feet and saying, okay, you know, it's up to you, God, what you, what you want to do. And we'll be happy with what you decide because it's for the best. And um, yeah, it's, it, it's powerful. To, to, right. it, it's always powerful to pray for somebody and not mm. just not be thinking of yourself, but really saying I'm praying for this person and mm. what's, what's great on their heart is now great on mine because a lot of times in infertility, you want to shut God out because you think he's let you down and disappointed you. And you're like, I, I don't want to hear what he has to say. All he's doing is hurting me. He's not telling me what I need to know. And I, I speak that from experience. I was like, you know, I, I cried out several times saying, you know, God, why put this desire in my heart if you're not going to do anything with it? And it's like, just take it away. And, um, that's not what he wanted to do. So <laughs> he oh, was wow. like, you got to put this, you got to put this book, book together first. So <laughs> right, that's, I was about to say, had you not gone through that pain, we wouldn't have this book that helps so can help so many women. The amazing thing with my book is a lot of, of older women that were mm-hmm. pregnancy, loss, miscarriage was not talked about are reading mm-hmm. my book and going, wow, I'm feeling comfort I haven't had for 30, 40, 50 years about this situation in my life. And that, you know, that was shocking. Like I, when women say that, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is not what I was expecting, but they said, that's, that's what I needed to hear that I've been Mm. grappling with for years. And it's Mm. powerful, just powerful. Wow. Yeah. And and see, it takes me back to what all of you, I was really surprised that all of you agreed. We wish we had shared our stories mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. We had told people what we were going through. And, mm-hmm. and, and I'm looking at how much it helps, helps and educates us. Yes. We, <laughs> which is very important when we do that. And um, also, you you know, we're not going to go through them, but you give a lot of resources mm-hmm. um, for people to. Um, but, but I hope that this uh, message really comforts uh, people who are going through infertility, uh, those that aren't able to um, have children, to know that it's very important to know that it's nothing that they did wrong. Mm-hmm. And I, that you make that very um, clear in the book. Yes. So, yes. Um, I want to ask you, what would you say to my listeners to encourage them about infertility? Well, um, what is encouraging with infertility is more research is being done. So when we talked earlier about the statistic of, well, once you turn 35, like 
everything just goes downhill with you wanting to start a family. That's the more research they're doing, the more they're seeing that's not necessarily true. Um, they're, they're seeing that women past 35 are having children without problems. Um, mm -hmm. There's a Hollywood actress. She had four kids after 40. Ooh. Unheard of. Yeah, no. <laughs> hmm. But um, so it's and um, one of my family members just let me know that now they have treatments for endometriosis, which that was mm. a, a leading thing of why a lot of women couldn't conceive. And mm. um, knowing friends that have endometriosis, it's mm. oh, what they endure every mm. month is awful. That right. it's like it's it's good to know that there's more research being put into it. There's more amazing doctors like like my doctor, Dr. Green Nickel, that's mm -hmm. giving hope to women to say, look, you know, maybe this doctor felt this way, but I don't. I feel this is the path we need to go. Um, so it's kind of like just because they may say you have you're dealing with infertility, that it's not a death sentence. It's you know, it, it means it's a it's a different part of your path. And mm -hmm. infertility can be re reversed for men mm -hmm. and for women, because mm -hmm. it could be both sides having issues. So mm -hmm. my encouragement is that there's, there's more hope mm -hmm. in, in getting diagnosed, finding out what, what issues you're having, because mm -hmm. there's things out there that can help you to where you can have that baby, or, you know, you can at least feel better if you're dealing with, with problems of some kind. Um, mm -hmm. There is hope out there. There is research, there is help. But, you know, it's, it's best to get checked out to, to see what exactly is going on so that you can get the help that you need. Mm, OK, um, Blair, thank you. Now, are you and Jeremy still trying? Uh, yes, we are. Um, this summer, we um, surprisingly enough, and we all credit it to God, um, my doctor had a discount on IVF. So um, on one round of IVF, it was reasonable within our budget. And I, Jeremy and I talked about it. Um, I've told him from the start, if we do IVF, I'm only doing one round. I'm not doing multiple rounds and driving us into debt. That's just, I, I just don't want to go down that path. So we're like, we're going to do one round, see what happens. If it doesn't work, then we said we tried everything and we, it felt like that would have been the closure we needed to move on to whatever else God had. So uh, we did IVF. We did one round. And um, in August of this year, uh, we found out we're pregnant. And I'm currently oh, 11 weeks. Oh, <laughs> congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh That's great news. That is it great is. News. It is such a blessing. But I mean, we're we're still holding our breaths, getting to each each part of the pregnancy because it's yeah. a scary journey. And, yeah. and I, I, I bring up to IVF because that's another decision you, your husband and God have to reach because there's mm -hmm. some people that are very against IVF. Don't want anything mm -hmm. to do with it. Um, it's, it's a, it's a scary process. You have to mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, socially, everything prepare for it because it, it, it takes a toll on you. And you have to be ready for it. So um, I encourage people that do. I encourage people that do just to, you know, just be kind to yourself through that time because, you know, your emotions can be all over the place. You know, you don't really feel great at times. So just be nice to yourself, nice to your husband. Um, and also realize like it's, it it may not be the path that you need to take. Like there are other options as well. Um, that's why I want to go back again to talking to um, a trusted medical professional and for infertility, mm -hmm. because um, they are the best ones to tell you if this is a, a viable choice or if there's other considerations. Some people, um, they do surrogacy where, you know, if they can't, they can't carry the baby. There are wonderful women out there that are willing to do it for you. Um, and you can have egg donation where somebody donates an egg. If you if your eggs are not where they need to be, you could still have a child. You could still carry that child, even if it's not, quote unquote, your egg. So, um, yeah, for that, I would just say definitely pray on that to see what God leads for you there. Can you summarize the process of IVF? Sure. It's um, well, basically, it's 
what the process is, is it's trying to get as many eggs in your ovaries to get to the point where they can be released. And then you do like a trigger shot in your abdomen to release them into your uterus. And then your doctor comes and, and gets them. And then they take the eggs to the lab as well as your husband's contribution <laughs> and they bring them to, they bring them together and they see which ones mature enough to where they're, they're embryos. Um, mm. And then from there, they they bring the baby back into your uterus and then they see in two weeks, did, did the baby attach? So, um, and it's, you know, it truly was God making it happen on the first try because that's not always the case. And we kind of went in there thinking it may not be the case for us either, but um, yeah, I would say definitely for that, tell people about it too. Tell them that you're going through this journey because I didn't tell people with our previous fertility treatments that we were going through it. And I felt so alone through it mm -hmm. that I was like, you know, this one, whether it works or not, I'm letting people know. And I'm so glad that I did because, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's people checked in on me. They said, Hey, I'm praying for you. And it, it truly was, it brought peace no matter what happened. So. Mm -hmm. Great, great, great. So happy for you, Jeremy. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> so Blair, tell my listeners how they can get in touch with you. Well, um, you can access my book at basically any online bookstore that you want. So Books A Million, Barnes & Noble. Um, I printed my book through Zulon Press. That's X-U-L-O-N Press um, that you can access and get my book that way, whether the physical copy or an ebook. It's all right there for you to get. Um, if you want to contact me for editing services or writing services, or if you just want to say, I've got some questions on infertility or IVF or anything of that nature. Um, I have a website, Park Place Editing, P-A-R-K-E. Um, it's it's all spelled that way, parkplaceediting.com. Um, and then I have my, my work email on there, parkplaceediting at zohomail.com. Um, and I'm, you can also read articles I've written on Salem Web Network with Bible study tools, um, crosswalk.com. Um, so I'm I'm available there to to read and and um, my books out there, too. So definitely I would love to hear from people and hear how the how the book has been impactful to them in this journey. Great. And uh, so if someone wants to have you come and speak, they can also go just go to your email and yeah. I want to <laughs> Your book from um from Amazon. Yes, yes, you can get it at Amazon too. I forgot about Amazon. Yes, also on Amazon. So, wow, Blair, thank you so much. Thank you for informing us. Oh and yes, <laughs> encouraging us and congratulations again to you and Jeremy. All right. Thank you so much, and thank you. I, it was such an honor to be on your show. I really appreciate it. Yes, <laughs> thank you. 